Welcome back to the third hour of the morning tailgate. Raider Nation Radio. It's Lindsey Brown, Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor live at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. we got a lot to get into today as we will also continue our conversations about certain draft prospects as well as giving you a chance to win $2,024. What? Yes, keep listening. We'll tell you how to do it here on Raider Nation Radio. And uh, we got to get into this. Uh, very rarely do we have an NFL draft analyst on that comes on and not only gives us so much good information, but the feedback that we get off the text line. The last time this gentleman came on last two weeks ago was exemplary. It was humongous. Everyone absolutely loves what Ian Cummings does as the NFL draft analyst at the Pro Football Network. ProFootballNetwork.com is the site, and we're happy to have you with us today, Ian. Good morning to you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually, uh, today I'm wrapping up a few final scouting reports before I head out to the Combine in person. I'm leaving tomorrow, so I'll be there midday on Wednesday, and I'm excited to be there in person for the testing. Uh, Player interviews will be fun, too, with testing on-field drills. Every little bit of the Combine is an important piece of the puzzle. That's the fun part. You know, it's a big puzzle, the NFL draft, but you piece it together little by little, and the Combine is one of the biggest checkpoints for that. How many scouting reports have you filed in the last month? Oh, my gosh. Don't ask me that. My brain is going to go into overdrive. Come on, give me a number. Give me, like, something to to work with because I'm genuinely (laughs) curious because, you know, the draft is its own animal where, like, you can cover the NFL, you can cover a specific team, but the draft itself and how many, you know, people are are, are available for teams to add, I'm just curious about what what kind of numbers. They're not rookie ones. I know that. They're not rookie numbers, that's for sure. No, it's – I think we have a running spreadsheet where we track it, you know, and we link back to each report. So I think we're up to over 150, you know, which is a good number. We want to get even more, though. So uh, we've got most of the day two guys who we think is going to go day two. You always have a few surprises. But we're working on our own board and using our evaluations to prioritize. And even after the NFL Combine, the work's not going to be done. We're still going to be getting guys who, you know, flash and testing. And even through the guys who weren't invited to the Combine was still a promising phase. So 150, over 150 now, but uh, we're still tracking up. All right, we're talking. Oh, sorry, Vinny, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, I'll ask you. I'm here in uh, Indianapolis, so I'm not with the uh, with the crew back there. My apologies for that. Um, I'll ask you a little bit more manageable question because usually at this time of year, you can you can figure out what mock draft are you on? Version one, version two, mock draft three, mock draft four. Where are you uh, in that process? How many mock drafts have you done? And uh, has it changed that top three? Uh, has that changed uh, for you so far in, in in the various mock drafts that you that you've done? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, you start out in August. I think I've done one each month, uh, going back to August. So wow. we're getting close to, you know, eight or nine or something. I, I don't know the exact number <laughs> off the top of my head. But we've been one a month for sure. And I think that, you know, back in August and September, you know a lot less. So it's a lot more projective, you know, kind of playing around with different potential outcomes, right? That's what a mock draft is every time. But I think now that we're, you know, we're approaching free agency, Right, So we're starting to get more answers. Free agency will be another big one. I think that March mock draft and that April mock draft, it's going to be the most solidified for what we know and what we don't know. Right, There's still a lot left to you know, kind of figure out on the table. So right now it's just kind of expressing different outcomes, different possibilities. We know we have a general idea of who's going to be on the move, right, free agents, right, and that guides you a little bit. So I think we're getting there, right? The combine is another good solidifying piece. We have the evaluations mostly set, so we know what we're, what we're working with. It's just kind of evaluating what teams need, what their valuation is, and how that will sort out their board. So we're a lot better than we were in September and October because we do know more. But free agency is one really big piece of the puzzle, and the NFL Combine is too. So still a lot of ground to settle, but I think we are well on our way. 
That's Ian Cummings here with us, NFL Draft Analyst with ProFootballNetwork.com at IC underscore draft on X. So then when you think about mock drafts, I know a week ago you conducted a what they call an impulse mock draft, and you had the Raiders trading up to number three to take Jaden Daniels. Uh, what do you think the Patriots need to get off that, that pick? Yeah, and it ultimately depends on what the Patriots themselves think about Daniels, but then also mm. who else is in contention for that. There, there's a lot yeah. of factors, right? And that's sure. kind of the, the, the moral of the story with the NFL draft. There's so many interwoven factors that kind of overlap so many variables. And I think with the Patriots, first off, you got to decide, are we taking this guy ourselves, right? Because they have an opportunity to take Jaden Daniels at that pick. And, you know, hey, if they decide that he's worth it, they can just take him right there, right? But if they don't want to and they want to trade back, maybe try and position themselves for Marvin Harrison Jr. or another quarterback, right? You know, they can do that too. And then the question becomes, who else is in contention for that third pick? Because you have other teams, in the top 10 and the top 12 that could potentially be incentivized to trade up. Uh, you've got the Falcons, right, the Vikings, the Broncos, and you've got even the Giants, too, which, I mean, we don't really know how they feel about Daniel Jones long-term, whether they want to take advantage of that if they're in a situation that we love. So a lot of variables, right? The other suitors, how the Patriots themselves feel. But I think either way, right, if you're either you're dissuading the Patriots from taking him themselves or if you're trying to beat out competition, it's going to cost a lot, especially if you're the Raiders, you're at 13th, right? So you're the lowest of most of those teams. So I think at least your first round or next year, I think at least some second-round capital, too. I think you're going to lose some early-round capital in the immediate timeline, but the hope is that you get your quarterback, you get a quarterback who has some familiarity with Antonio Pierce, right, who really developed very, very well over the final two years of his career. Dynamic athlete, dynamic creator. And I think, too, you get that quarterback in place Pierce has proven that he can coach his guys up a little bit. So I'm hoping that you can fill that out. You have a great many day three picks this year, too. So hit on those. That can kind of accelerate your growth. But that's kind of my, my thinking. You know, if you're, if, you really, if you're really sold on a guy and you're going to move up from 13 to 3 with that many suitors and with the Patriots themselves not averse to taking a QB, it's going to cost a lot. Talking to Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network here on the gate. And and you're right. If you have a guy in mind, you're going to probably do everything in your power to move up. In your most recent mock, you have the Vikings trading up all the way to number five to take the hottest name on the block right now, J.J. McCarthy. I know that behind their offensive line, which is actually good for the first time since ever, uh, that he would be a very viable scramble threat. But what sells you so hard on his development potential under Kevin O'Connell? And does this plan include Kirk Cousins, and if not, is there an expectation for McCarthy to start Game One? Oh, that's a great question. Because again, I think with the Vikings, you have a lot of overlapping variables. The first one being, what do they do with Kirk Cousins? Right? You know, mm-hmm. There seems to be an incentive. You would want to bring him back. He was playing very well before his injury. He does have familiarity with the system and the weapons, right? But at the same time, he's going to command a lot of money, and Atlanta is a potential option, right? You know, he's got some familiarity with that Sean McVay tree with Raheem Morris and Zach Robinson, so. It's going to be tough. I think the biggest thing is what does Cousins do if he moves on? I think if you're the Vikings, you're not back into a corner, right? I think that's mm-hmm. the thing. You know, if they're trading up for a guy, odds are you can sign another veteran if Cousins leaves, but you really want to get that that guy, right? Quasi Adokomensa hasn't had his guy yet, right? They kind of inherited Cousins from the previous, from Rick Spielman's regime. And, you know, he's a great quarterback. He is. But, you know, this regime, O'Connell and Adokomensa, hasn't had an opportunity to get that young QB and get it on the ground floor with him. So if you lose Cousins, I think you're more incentivized to kind of take authority and do that. And I think McCarthy is a very appealing option because 
he's young, right? You know, mm-hmm. some of the simple factors, right? You know, draft evaluation is so complex, but sometimes it can be simple. He's 21 years old. He's talented. He's young. Uh, all the reports about his character and his mentality are, are, are glowing, right? So, you know, thinking about investing off the field, does he have the developmental capacity and the growth potential? You know, that's there as well. And I do think he's a good fit for O'Connell's team. You know, you talk about play-action fakes, rollouts. He's very good off-platform, but then he's also fearless over the middle of the field. I think he's a guy that if you can glean a little bit more operational consistency from, uh, the poise is there, the accuracy is there, the arm talent, the mobility, and the requisite anticipation capacity, you know, to work the middle of the field in those overlapping windows. You know, I want to see him do it more routinely, elevate his team more routinely, but I think for the Vikings, you just you kind of narrow it down to if we do need a quarterback, Cousins leaves, this guy's young, he's talented, does he fit our mental makeup that we're looking for? And if he does, I think he can be inserted into that offense pretty seamlessly because, like you said, the offensive line is finally there, the weapons are there, and uh, things are coming together. Yeah, that's why uh, I think if the Raiders uh, like J.J. McCarthy, whether it's the Broncos or the Vikings, they got to jump uh, up ahead of them. So we'll see how that uh, kind of all plays out. All right, assuming that the Raiders can't do that, though, um, there's another wave of quarterbacks. There's your Michael Penixes, your your Bo Nixes. Uh, Spencer Rattler seems to be uh, gaining some momentum. This is a big week from, for him. How big of a week is it for those three quarterbacks? Uh, and where is their sweet spot, would you say, uh, in this draft as we, as we uh, you know, uh, uh, take some steps toward closer to the draft yeah and it's a good question i think it's interesting with them because there is variance for them too like all it takes is one team to have a top 20 grade on bo nix and maybe he does go top 20 right or maybe it takes one team to have spencer rattler as a fringe round one guy maybe we see someone trade up to 32 for him against all odds right michael Penix, the injuries are a bigger variable but i do think with all of these guys you have the necessary tools. I think Bo Nix, very comfortable off-platform, very, very prolific creator, right? The arm elasticity, the accuracy. And then he's shown that he can make those layered intermediate throws. I think just getting more consistency with that, especially for a 24-year-old. Spencer Rattler, uh, the senior bowl was really big for him because of South Carolina. Didn't have a great offensive line, didn't have a very good receiving cores. Xavier Leggett was a big story, and he was a great player. But Antoine Wells was injured for most of the year. You know, there were times when he was trying to do a little too much. But I think Spencer Rattler, another guy who's a, a pretty good creator, right? You know, not quite as athletic as Nick's, I think, in the vertical plane, but the change of direction, right? The off-platform ability and the drive velocity, right? The arm talent is top tier with him. And at the senior bowl, he proved that he can, you know, command an offense, a lot of moving parts. The chemistry was there. The leadership was there. And I think for NFL teams, that's just as important. And then Penix, right, the drive velocity, again, the arm strength, the uh, toughness, the competitive mentality, uh, the gunslinger, you know, ability to kind of expand the passing game and hit those windows and outside the numbers, that's big with them too. So I think with all these guys, the requisite talent is there. So you mentioned what is the most important thing for the combine. I think interviews, honestly. I think talking with teams one-on-one. And uh, mentality, I don't expect that to be an issue because you look at Penix, you look at Nix, you look at Rattler, all guys who experienced some type of adversity in their initial mm-hmm. stint in college, transferred and actually made the most of their second opportunity and built their way back. So I think all three of these guys have a somewhat redemptive arc that I think will endear teams to them. So then the question becomes, how are you on the football intelligence side, the football IQ, right? Can you get the scheme down? Can you process NFL windows, right? Do you know you have an awareness of the moving parts and can you take authority in controlling those moving parts like an NFL quarterback should? I think that's going to be the biggest question. So I think NFL teams, like the Raiders, are going to be very interested to get those guys 
in the whiteboard room and get them on the whiteboard and see how they work X's and O's, right, and see if they're at that level. So I think that'll be the final piece, right? Uh, but I do think character mental evaluations will be big because 24-year-old, right, on one hand, there hasn't been a large success rate for 24-year-old guys who are maybe stalled out their development. But the starting physical ability, I think, is there for all three guys. Ian Cummings, Pro Football Network, here on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, Raiders GM Tom Teleska will speak a little later today around 10 a.m. Uh, uh, Pacific time. You know, he brought up uh, the need to implement speed on this offense. Who are the elite speed guys, whether it be at wide receiver or at running back, that you have your eyes on? Yeah, I'll go with running back first because there's one that stands above the rest, and that's Jalen Wright from Tennessee. I mean, his breakaway speed on film is really eye-catching. Uh, he's a guy, when he has a lane, he is gone, and I expect him to run the fastest time of the running backs. I think, you know, could be in the high four twos. You've got really great vertical explosiveness with him, and I think he's got pretty good vision. His vision, to me, is good, not great. I still think there is room for him to improve a little bit with his efficiency working upfield, okay. but he's got great lateral agility. He's an energized mover. He's around 5'11", 210, so enough grading play strength to work through arm tackles. And he's a decent receiver and pass blocker, too. So Jalen Wright from Tennessee – is my big speed uh, running back. If you're looking for a receiver, and we know Hunter Renfro, his long-term future with the Raiders is uncertain, so there is room to add that. I know they drafted Trey Tucker last year, Mm -hmm. who has a lot of upside, but you know, wide receiver is one position. If you have an excess of capital, I don't think it's ever a bad thing to invest in that. So a few speed guys for me, and I'll stick to probably day day two, day three for the Raiders, but I think um, one, a couple, a few that stands out, Roman Wilson from Michigan, and he might go top 50 at this point, hit a strong senior bowl, but he's he reminds me of the Chris Olave light, just the way he separates. He's very explosive, but he's smooth. You know, he's not super abrupt. He's very good at using curvilinear acceleration to maintain his speed on rounded breaks and just carve through coverage looks. And he's very acrobatic at the catch points, too. He's very tough and, and kind of resolved. So I love that part of his game, too. Jalen McMillan uh, from Washington is one guy who I think is going to open some eyes when he runs this weekend because people forget he's a very nuanced route runner. He's very sharp at route stunts, very flexible. He's got legit vertical speed, too, and I think injuries caused him to fall under the radar a bit. But Jalen McMillan, top 75 guy for me, so I like him a lot. Uh, and then Jermaine Burton from Alabama, another guy who I think the NFL Combine is really going to open some eyes for because you look at him. He played at Georgia for a couple of years and then transferred to Alabama, and his speed, man, it's, it's legit. Like, it, it's one of those things where he accelerates very effortlessly. You know, you almost – with some guys, you see that lofty, hefty acceleration where you know they're driving a lot with their knees. With, with uh, Jermaine Burton, it's more just kind of effortless. You know, the effortless acceleration, that streamlined athlete. He's very good on double moves, too. He's got really good control as a route runner. He's got some good body control as well. One more guy. I'm not sure if he'll be in the Raiders' range, but Xavier Worthy from Texas. I think if you're going to bring up speed guys, that's the quintessential speed guy in this class. That is the guy whose speed is different. I mean, his long strider acceleration and range uh, can destroy coverage angles. And then he's a very good route runner, too. So he's actually in contention for a top-five wide receiver spot on my board. A big fan of what he's offered. But I think if you're looking for speed, there are a lot of options to choose from. Just writing all of these things down. Yeah, this is so awesome. Just getting all of these little nuggets <laughs> because uh, you clearly know how to pick out uh, certain nuances and how people go about their business, and that's one of the reasons why we love having you on. Ian, uh, the wide receiver position is certainly one that the Raiders will look at probably later in rounds, but i got to think the linebacker position is also one they're going to be looking for fortification. So what are the, some of the little things that you look for when evaluating linebackers and specifically at the Combine? Yeah, at the Combine um... – 
it's interesting because with the combine, you don't get all the soft skills for linebackers. I think some of the things that, and it's tough because I think with linebackers, one of the most important things is to evaluate how they process in congested areas, right? Especially on, on rundowns and play action downs. You have a lot of moving parts with pulling blockers and running backs pressing behind blockers, right? So you have to read leverage angles and, and all, and all those moving parts in a very short time window. And if you're not sound, if you're not solid, uh, your reaction speed, if it's a half second late, that single pick could be enough to leave you out of position and box you off against blockers. So unfortunately, the NFL Combine, there are some things that it can't communicate, and that's one of them, the okay. instincts in the box with all those moving parts and the processing ability, the play recognition. But I think uh, coverage ability is a big thing for linebackers in the modern NFL, being able to get depth, uh, having the hip fluidity to you know flip your hip leverage and maintain angle awareness against running backs and tight ends. I think that's a big thing, too, you know, with needing that versatility. So for me at the NFL Combine, obviously testing will be a good cross-checking confirmation tool for linebackers. But, you know, I look for that uh, that functional mobility as a coverage athlete, too. You know, the fluidity, uh, keeping maintaining phase and, and maintaining your pedal quickness while flipping your hips, right, using that control uh, because there are some linebackers in the class who have the necessary eye discipline, but can you flip your hips and maintain speed through transition against NFL athletes at tight end and maybe big slot? Because linebacker, you know, it's one of those positions where sometimes you are going to get caught in the middle, and maybe mm-hmm. a team, an offense is going to target you as a potential mismatch. you got to show that technically you can match up. Being an athlete isn't enough. You need to make sure that the technique is sound and efficient. And so I think – that's the thing. If there's one thing at the NFL Combine that I'd be keying in on, it's that. Ian, you give us so much great information. We can't thank you enough. Uh, I've run out of room on my paper of all the names and things to write in and to, for me to do my own homework. You do such a great job with your own homework up at ProFootballNetwork.com. Your reports are out there. What do you got cooking for the Combine, and what, what do you want to assemble as you're out there for a few days? Yeah, so uh, at the NFL Combine, it's going to be fun. We're going to be taking everything in, in person, and myself and Cam Meller will be recapping each day of testing on the PFN Scouting Podcast, so check that out. Cool. It'll be uh, it'll be fun. And today, actually, we just did a podcast episode pre-Combine. I got A.J. Schulte, my fellow NFL draft analyst, who just released the seven-round mock this past weekend. We reviewed it as kind of an exercise to view the, the NFL draft board pre-Combine, so that's fun. But at the Combine, we'll be doing recaps on the podcast, like I said, We'll be doing risers each day, kind of looking at the testing, and we will be interviewing players at the podium to try and get uh, more insight from them on their operations and their coaching and things like that. So it's going to be a fun information-gathering process for us, just as well as evaluators, and it's going to be a fun time. We'll have a lot of content for it in the coming days. It's fascinating stuff. We love it when you're on. Thank you so much, Ian, for giving us some time on a busy week. Let's do it again. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you at IC underscore draft on X or Twitter and at profootballnetwork.com. PFN Unreal. 365 is insane. And, uh, yeah, if he's and also check out their podcast because they give you a, a lot of work and, and time is not of an issue. They will get it all in there. And the, uh, the, the Schulte mock draft is very interesting because at 13, he has the Raiders not able to go and trade up, but finding perhaps the best tackle in the draft, and that's J.C. Latham out of Alabama. Interesting thought that could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Go ahead, Ben. Oh, uh, I was going to say, just passed by uh, Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings coach, their general manager is here. And check this out. Uh, So I just saw Charlie Weiss. I don't know if you guys heard me. uh, uh, Down 100 pounds. Really? I I was like, dude, you look really good. So uh, he he doesn't eat dinner anymore. He just eats from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's his eating window. He can kind of eat what he wants. 
uh, but he stops uh, after two o'clock, and uh, and that's that. He's as he as he said, it's tough, you know, uh, being here in Indianapolis, and there's so many great steakhouses, St. Elmo's. Everybody goes out, you know, after the at the end of the day and goes eats a great meal. So he's got to show some discipline. But yeah, he looks oh. great. Um, down 100 pounds, he's down. To, he was at 345, down to 245. Looks fantastic. So uh, really that happy. Intermittent for fasting, man. It, most yeah. people don't do the dinner bit. I, mo- I think that people would probably choose more often to skip breakfast, but secretly that's a disaster scenario because you crash your entire body system if you do that, right? There and so it's go. probably yeah. uh, a better way around. But I'm not a nutritionist. But you ask Charlie exactly <laughs> what his uh, rationalization is behind it. That would be great. Yeah, uh, and he looks good. Former Notre Dame coach. Um, you know, a longtime coach. Now he's with uh, Sirius uh, NFL XM, so uh, doing a great job. You talked to Kevin about J.J. McCarthy. Everybody, yeah. everybody, I can't believe that. <laughs> was Ian putting him up all up. the way at five. That's where I was like, I, some people are putting him in the top five, and, and that's where if you fall in love with someone like that, and I think the Vikings are in a unique position to kind of uh, shepherd someone who maybe has a little bit more room to grow and, and all of that. I think they're probably the biggest contender for J.J. McCarthy with the Raiders, don't you? Uh, yeah, well, the Denver Broncos as well. well and I those know, are, but like those are the those are the two teams that draft right ahead of the Raiders, so they have to be cognizant of that. If JJ is their guy as well, that you have to get out in front of those guys, and that's why you have to start talking, you know, uh, about the Giants. You have to start talking about the Tennessee Titans, uh, teams that could use that that seemingly have their quarterback in place. Although we talked about it, the Giants are really intriguing to me uh, because they can get out from under uh, the Daniels the Daniel Jones contract pretty easily after this year um, so do they go ahead and grab their quarterback of the future or does Brian Dable say man I got to keep my job here you know I need to win I need to win right now let's put some pieces around Daniel Jones we went to the playoffs last year uh, with Daniel Jones and and you know doing our thing in the run game is that what we need to do and keep him healthy and help him out to preserve, you have to look at it from from a Brian Dable's standpoint and their general manager standpoint. They need to win to keep their jobs, yes. and that's part of it, you know. Um, and so, but they're they're intriguing to me, uh, and maybe for that reason, that's why the Raiders can target the New York Giants uh, or a Tennessee Titans team uh, right behind them uh, as a trade partner to make sure they get JJ McCarthy. But it's all predicated, and we keep coming back to this and circling back to this. Why this week is so important because I think this week is going to go a long way uh, in deciding how exactly the Raiders feel about a JJ McCarthy. And how long do you think McCarthy would need to be fully ready to be a starting quarterback in this league? Well, I mean, you know, uh, this is what coaches, you know, that, that I've talked to say. If he's at first base to start the season, then we'll have an offense that's, that's that, uh, you know, that, that fits what he knows. Okay. You know, yeah. that's all you can do, you know. Uh, but you, if you feel like he's going to be able to command uh, a first base uh, understanding of the offense and still be able to compete and still be able to win games because that's what it's all about, if you feel like you can – you can manage that uh, with a first base understanding of the offense or a second base understanding of the offense, and then you, you go ahead and start him day one um, and let him gain that experience. Here's the thing. I look at the Raiders, and I don't see – I go back to when I was covering the Rams, and, and they drafted Jared Goff, and it was a disaster. That first year, 2016, was a disaster. They didn't give him any help um, you know, infrastructure-wise in terms of talent around him. They only had Todd Gurley. He had a bad year that year. Why? Because their offensive line was terrible. They had no real wide receivers. Their tight end uh, was a, a, a rookie. Uh, Higby was a rookie that year. Uh, their their offensive coordinator uh, had coached tight ends previously. He had never run an offense before. Um, so what happens 
when when they finally put Jared Goff in there, I think it was the last seven games of the year, he goes 0-7. People were like, he's a bust. <laughs> you know, and I remember talking to him about that, and he's like, um, you know, look around, kind of like uh, – and but he survived it. And he told me, he goes, Vinny, it's six, seven games. I mean, I'm not going to – if I'm going to get crushed by seven games, I don't belong to be here. What do they do? They 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 uh, improve the inf- infrastructure around him along with Sean McVay. They won the division the next year. He went to the Pro Bowl, I think, that year too. So, you know, uh, we can't always be worried about is this going to be a crushing blow mentally for these quarterbacks. And furthermore, I contend that the Raiders are way ahead of where the Rams were in 2016 offensively in terms of okay. the tools around the quarterback. So somebody like a J.J. McCarthy, I don't see any reason why – he can't come in and start day one, even if you have to kind of, you know, um, uh, go in with the understanding that he's not going to have a mastery of the offense, but he's going to have a winnable understanding of the offense, and then you roll with him. It's Vinny live in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Lindsey Brown, Clay Baker, we're live in Las Vegas. We'll step aside and come back. Don't forget, around 945, we'll have a conversation with Ash Watkins, Ash the attorney from Sam and Ash Injury Law. We'll talk about the F1 and how its time in Las Vegas is in peril. We'll come back with more thoughts from the text line here on Raider Nation Radio. What's going down? It's your chance to hit the jackpot. A lot of jackpots in this town, but not all of them are brought to you by Lois Broadcasting and Raider Nation Radio and have true control in your hands. The phone number you need to text, the code word to 702-365-9200. This is part of our jackpot giveaway, $2,024 at your disposal. For a chance, again, text that number 702-365-9200 with the code. And today's code. Frontier, F-R-O-N-T-I-E-R, Frontier, the last, the first, whatever you're trying to explore, you got to send it in that phone number. This goes from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. each and every day, so make sure you listen to Radio Nation Radio all day, every day for that code, and you can hit the jackpot for $2,024, all thanks to Lotus Broadcasting and Raider Nation Radio. That's right. Send it in, Frontier, to 702-365-9200, also from the text line. Brought to you by Don'tBeBroke.com. Hardcore Raider wants to uh, send this shout-out to Vinny. Please tell Vinny to keep an eye on on wide receiver Anaya Smith from Texas A&M for a later round draft pick, probably rounds three to five, but he says his skill set is similar to Trey Tucker, but in my opinion, might have better hands and a much better yak player. Whoa. Could be a steal type Whoa. of draft. All right. Yeah, I mean, right. How, I will, uh, how much will I will you be, absolutely. Yeah, how much are you going to look at wide receivers? Yeah, we're going to look at uh, uh, that's that's what we're here for uh, all week, and they get on the field on Saturday, so uh, that'll be a big part of uh, of what I do uh, on Saturday. And uh, Lindsay, going to get a little nostalgic on you when I told you that Kevin O'Connell was uh, 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 crossing uh, over us and where we're situated. He went over to uh, to talk to a certain someone that I think you know pretty well uh, that works for uh, KFan in Minnesota. Oh, Paul Allen! Paul Allen! Yeah, there Paul is. Allen He's is set here. Up. Yep, he absolutely is set up uh, over there at the K-Fan um, <laughs> table. And Kevin O'Connell, I used to listen to K-Fan all the time on the internet way back in the day, too. So, oh, you're uh, an OG. Uh, yeah, well, they were the first ones to really do internet, right? Yeah. And stream yep. it, right? Yep, absolutely. And those were, uh, those were good days and uh, listening to uh, that whole crew about the Vikings. And now it's a different iteration uh, of Viking leaderships. But I do think that, um, that the writers, again, we keep talking about this, but they got to keep an eye on the Vikings uh, because I think the Vikings want exactly pretty much the same thing that they want, and that's a quarterback 
and I think both of them are going to be more in the running for quarterback number four than quarterback number three, two, or one. So uh, might be uh, jockeying for position. A little musical chairs perhaps going to go on uh, before the draft so that one uh, is in front of the other when it comes to make that big decision. So back before we had cell phones and say you were presented with the opportunity that you are now, which is to follow along with the, the Vikings top brass and maybe you know pick up some nuggets on what they're potentially going to do. Would you just simply keep a, a, a nice distance between them? Would you chase down a story? Do you have one of those moments in your career where you just you were in a bush somewhere trying to get a lead? <laughs> um, I've definitely met at, uh, I remember, <laughs> meet over at the 50-yard line uh, in about uh, 45 minutes uh, and let's talk. So, yeah, Ooh. there's definitely, there's definitely uh, some of those types of, uh, of things going on. Now it's it's made the job way easier with text, um, you know, so, uh, so that, that expedites the process a, a whole lot. But, uh, but back in the day, you'd, you'd have to figure out a place to, to sometimes meet because uh, you just wanted to, to make sure you got the story and you were doing it in a, uh, in a non-conspicuous way, too. Meet <laughs> yeah. by the phone so. booth under this lamppost. Yeah. We're going to talk to, uh, you know, it's going to be deep throat in the parking garage exactly. somewhere. Like, I'd, you know, follow the money. Hey, Vinny, yep. I know you got to run. you got the uh, Tom Telesco uh, presser yes. coming up in just a few minutes. Thanks for, getting, for uh, joining us and coming on. Some great stuff today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Absolutely. Back at it tomorrow, guys. Have a good right. one. Thanks. It's Vinny Bonsignora. Follow him on X as well as up at VegasNation.com. we got to take a quick break because we'll be joined from Ash, from Ash, Sam and Ash Injury Law. It's called Street Legal, where we'll talk about the F1 race eh, in peril in Las Vegas, as well as some strange things going on in the app world, like Tinder and Hinge, and how they could be psychically addictive. How can they prove that in court? Ash will show us the way next. Thank you so much for being with us here. It's time for Street Legal with Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, available in both Nevada and and in California. Ash, good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Clay? I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. Can I first ask you a question? This was a, a story from last week, but we never got a chance to get into it. There is a lawsuit now for a class action filed on Valentine's Day where six dating app users accused of a tinge or a Tinder and Hinge. Tinge, of, yes, uh, yeah, tinge. tinge. It's a, tinge. It turns into <laughs> Tinge. That's the problem. <laughs> but they say they got predatory business model and deliberately employing psychologically manipulative features to ensure that people remain on the app perpetually as paying subscribers. Subscribers. All right. Uh, I believe that can happen. Six people are in this class action lawsuit now that was filed. How do you prove it in court? Oh, man. <laughs> this is such a silly case. Um, actually, it is and it isn't. I think of social media in general, and I will include our Tinge apps uh, in that discussion <laughs> in all of these apps and features are designed to generate revenue for themselves. Okay. How do they generate revenue? They need users. Those users need to actually use the app. And so what is going to happen is you've got to go, what are these individuals' damages? Like what, I mean, oh, go if they found right. a relationship. But mm. so I always look to Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, they're all on, on the hot seat right now because of the mental health damage. It is being demonstrated and proven that these apps cause to young adults as their brains are maturing and as their you know self-confidence is developing. And so you kind of look at it almost like 
back in the 80s, 90s with cigarettes Mm -hmm. targeting children. Um, So that's where social media is getting into it. And with the mental health thing, it's clear what the damages are. You have really tragic cases of people taking their own lives. You know, you have people going to therapy, so that costs money. You have a lot of actual damage to prove when you're dealing with the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, etc. Now, when you look at these dating apps, what is the damage? If they found a relationship, they would be off of that app is my understanding of how these apps are intended to work. Okay. No, I mean, I, so is it say, are there claims that, that the goal of the app isn't actually to get them into a relationship, it's just to keep them scrolling? Mm. I don't know. And so that's going to be a tough case for these individuals to prove and also what their damages are. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because this is a multi-pronged conversation because there, there's data about the mental health of it. There's data in terms of when you're uh, a, a man interacting with an app and, and what you consider successful, like where it's a swipe right versus a left. The numbers are a lot lower for women. And and it's just it creates, a I think, a more unhealthy dynamic that's already present there. But again, like you said, it's about, well, what truly defines damage and how do you really uh, illustrate that in today's day and age when we're, we are so much more mentally health aware. We are so much aware of, of abusers that are uh, all across our society. And there's a story uh, that's kind of come to light uh, through you guys about Ashley Scoggin. She, uh, she's a UNLV basketball player, but she used to play uh, up in Nebraska. And she has filed a civil lawsuit in the U.S. District Court against her former coach, who she uh, alleges said took a special interest in her. Uh, the relationship turned sexual. And in fear of retaliation, she refused to, to kind of shoo him away right and and when it Mm -hmm. comes to these situations because i've i've had friends where they've been put in situations like this ash i'm sure you're the same because uh women's and women's sports is a is a great place for predators to to be totally honest but uh where are we at with how we treat victims in in these situations and how we go about this because usually a lot of a lot of people who end up being victims don't report because first of all the chances of having any sort of justice served is so low but then also the process to get there it's very very uh, they they open you up in a lot of different ways and and it, and it causes a lot of distress just in the trial or, or the process itself yeah, 100%. One of the critical things that I would say our justice system is is constantly trying to get better at is making sure that the process to get justice isn't re-victimizing these individuals for mm-hmm. bringing forth their claims. Mm-hmm. Um, in the college sense, we have Title IX, which a lot of people only associate with making sure that there's enough the uh, parity between women's sports and men's sports on the, the any given school's list of athletics. But it also does protect students and student athletes in the manner of sexual harassment, sexual violence, anything like that. And so I, I urge people, if you're uncomfortable, if you have any type of experience like this, phone a friend. There are people mm-hmm. on your campus, in your industry, your business that are there to talk to you and protect you. And I understand it's risky and it's concerning and fearful, but you ultimately always have to protect yourself. And it's not worth continuing to just allow this uncomfortable situation to go on. So here, what Ashley Scoggins really needed to do is take this to someone 
in her campus. You know, there's a Title IX coordinator that she brings this uncomfortable, predatory situation to. And now now the campus has an obligation to investigate it and eliminate that and, and work through it. And so I just, I can't stress it enough. I know it's not a perfect system. Nothing is really when it's run by humans. And even we talked about it last week, AI, um, but that we're getting better. And Title IX has a lot of protections in there for student athletes in these situations and to reach out. Every campus has to have a Title IX coordinator where individuals can go to for compliance. It's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law, SamandAshLaw.com. In a crash, call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, available in both Nevada and in California. Do you think we'll ever see the F1 come back to Las Vegas to race on the Strip again? Absolutely. It's coming back. Um, it's there's an, This whole thing about whether a contract was signed or not, look, they've made enough statements in the public acknowledging this agreement and allowing it to go forward mm. and moving forward to this year. I mean, so it's going to happen. Are they trying to claw back some leverage over Formula One and Liberty Media to make sure that it's not such a bad PR move for Clark County next year and the years after? Of course, these are all elected officials. They require you know, people to be happy with the work they're doing. Um, I'd be more concerned with uh, Las Vegas paving and all the random cones that are out there, okay. not just related to Formula One. I mean, I have a bigger grievance with that, um, but Formula One will be back. Oh, I love it. Ash, we love having you on. Thank you again for coming on today. Sam and Ash Injury Law, SamandAshLaw.com. It's available both California and in Nevada. And if you're in a crash, call 702-820-1234. Call Sam and Ash. Ash, we love having you on. Thanks again. Let's do it again next week. All right. Love you guys. Love See you. Up. All right. For Vinny Bonsignor and for Lindsey Brown, I'm Clay Baker. We thank you for listening. Coming up next, it'll be Rich Eisen. And then keep tuned all day long because they'll have sound from Indy from General Manager Tom Telesco here on Raider Nation Radio. Let's go. Let's go.